Uh, all right. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. G'day, scholars, and welcome back to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. It's what the nerds are watching, and it's the 50th episode. I can't believe it. I guess that means we've been going for pretty close to a year because we probably missed a couple of weeks, I reckon, along the way. Uh, 50 episodes. I'm, you know, politely raising the bat. I'm acknowledging silent applause, maybe, but I'm just listening to someone from the change room yell out, yep, that's it, big fella, start again, double up, 100 red. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to start uh, in the second half of the innings. We're going to aim for that big century. Cricket reference for all you playing along at home. Hey, I am this week's host. This is Dom Thorpe on the mic. Not too hard, not too soft, but just right. I am joined by two Wrestling Should Be Fun originals, Matthew Brum Brummett. How you getting on, Brum? Yeah, not too bad, Chief. Hey, I'm also joined uh, by the Sultan, Shafi. Shaf, how's it going, mate? It's been a long time. North Bergen missed me. But the Sultan's back for episode 50. Good to hear you, Dom. Thank you very much. But uh, thanks for having me, Ross. The boss doing an absolute excellent job hosting. I thought I was never going to be needed again, but here I am, episode 50, you bring up the ring-ins. By the way, this is a fan-supported, listener-supported podcast, supported by people just like you. We give it to you free of charge every single week on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from. The best way that you can support is to rate, review, subscribe, the holy tricolon. Uh, or why don't you, if you found us on Twitter, 15,000 followers over there, at WSBFUN, why don't you tweet this? out if you found us on instagram few and far between new followers on instagram probably about 1500 over there uh it's wrestling should be fun all one word why don't you add this to your instagram story um or you could all as always you could ring your mum, you could write a letter to your nan or you could act this out with your family on balconies as a play guys let's get straight into this podcast this week 50th episode a big one so what better way to reward our listeners for a 50th episode than by changing the format um we've we are not going to do the call-up sheet exactly this week because ross isn't here but i'll tell you what we've done on the twitter uh we sent out a call out not for people who wanted a wrestling gimmick this week but for anyone that might have had a question for us uh we got thousands of responses over there from our fifteen thousand followers and we've picked the first three that came in because you know we're cool like that fellas should we do a little uh listener q a sounds lovely mate Right, up first, I have got uh, a question from Rob. And if I can find Twitter handles, I will say them as well, because I'm assuming they'd like to shout out. So this is at rob.ca, R-O-B-D-O-T-C-A. And Rob asks us, fellas, what is your favourite memory of the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast, the previous 49 episodes? Brummett, any any immediate thoughts? Um, the... <laughs> the thing that I, I was literally just thinking about it today, and it's a relatively recent one, but JCH getting smashed and doing the worst Booker Bingo ever was one of my favourites, where I think it was like Fabian Eichner versus Blue Pants on Lever Bates. And it was just, uh, well, Fabian Eichner's like, I'm Italian, mate. We wear the blue pants. Done. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> I'm saying, describing it as like the equivalent of Jeff Hardy versus Sting at Victory Road. Yeah. Bingo. 
<laughs> so that—that's that, true. I mean, I mean, some of the positives. Are like I, um, not to make you blush, Shaf, but the the Ross Shaf interview I absolutely loved. Um, I like how I know you, you started them, Dom, with the every so often having the 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 interviews. I, I found really interesting, and, and also just the amazingness of then actually getting real life wrestlers on the pod. And Premier League legends. I think all those things have just been like stuff that we wouldn't have really dreamed of when we kicked it off. So yeah, they're my yeah they're my highlights. Yeah, I'm going to jump in because my highlight is the same as yours, there, Brum. Um, I've also got uh, Shaffy's episode with Ross, the long form. That it's definitely my favourite episode. And and when I saw the question, it's the first thing that came to mind for me. I I just wanted to give that a plug. Like if you haven't heard that episode dear listener go and find it and i i know that sultan he he won't say anything about it he won't give himself a rap but it was just honestly the reason that i love podcasts is i I got into them because of mark Marin and colt cabana and they both do long form podcasts where they and you learn things either about people you think you know very well or about people you've never heard before and in this case it was learning things about someone i I felt like I knew very well, like a great friend of mine in in Chaffee and just learning more about someone in, in a long form. I, I just thought it was the best, you know. So um, go find that episode, guys, if you haven't heard it. It's it's great. Now I'm going to hand it over to the man himself. He's probably embarrassed. Um, so he's probably going to cut a heel promo on us. You can't embarrass a man with no shame. Um, <laughs> so I think probably my, for us guys talking, probably my favourite... Um, episode was when punk returned um because i think that was something that like touched all of us on a a deep level um something that we were all so happy about you know so emotional about as well to an extent but i think 50 episodes the last 25 percent, so the last 10 12 episodes the level has just massively jumped there have been some brilliant guests uh on the show that i've loved listening to even if i haven't necessarily been on myself one that I loved was uh, Dave Mercy, the former owner and booker of Chaos Wrestling, who came on and gave a brilliant insight into just how British indie wrestling works and how to run a promotion on, you know, an independent level, a regional level, which I thought was super interesting. So he was brilliant. We've obviously, we had David Wheater a couple of weeks ago and just, you know, former Premier League footballer, England under 21 international just talking about how the local manager at Smith's calls them up whenever they get new wrestling figures delivered um, and how we'll play with them in the living room whilst his missus laughs at him, you know, like whilst we might not all be like collectors in that sense, I think we all understand, you know, some of the stigma that's involved with, you know, wrestling and the way that he carries it off, like was just brilliant. Like he just, I love wrestling. I don't care who knows. I'll tell anyone, you know? Um, so I really enjoyed the Wheater episode. Even, uh, former ECW referee Jim Molyneux who was on a few weeks back I love that episode like hearing him talk so like one of my friends is a John Lennon impersonator and he works at the Kevin Club in Liverpool which is very famous for you know the Beatles playing many many times Um, and hearing like Jim Molyneux talking about how you know wanting to go to the Kevin Club and that being sort of a dream of his it was just interesting to you know hear my two sort of worlds collide uh, in a sense so and to you know here wrestling people have passions outside of wrestling so yeah there's been some some real high spots recently which is credit to the guys that have been here and have been carrying the the pod in you know ross 
uh, picking up the baton from Dom and obviously Matt Brummett and uh, Matt Connolly being the mainstays. Um, so you guys have all done a fantastic job. And what can I say? I'm just as happy being a listener as a contributor. Yeah, it's, um, it's funny you mention that, mate. I like the weeks that I miss, I actually quite like, because then I'll go and listen to the pod and just enjoy it, really. Yeah. I tend to listen more to the ones that I'm on, because, you know, I've got that for <laughs> Yeah, it... Do you pay Phil extra to just get the chaffy only cut where it just yeah. literally removes all I'm just, of I'm just cut. like listening to it, thinking in my head, like, oh, yeah, I came up with that zinger in a second. I'm going to love this. <laughs> and and whilst I'm glad you mentioned it, Brum, because I think whilst we're talking about the pod itself and things and Shaft talking about um, the improvements, I think it's, it's so important that we give a shout out to our editor, Phil, like just... He, he does such, such a, such a great job um, and, you know, saves me three hours a week. Um, so shout out to Phil and, oh, mate, you're a legend and I hope you stick with us for the next 50, brother, because, you know, the, the pod has improved so much since you've taken over the editing. Um, and, and to be honest, I think that just sort of shows how the pod has grown, that one of our listeners who edits for a living and is fantastic at his job and could get a lot more money um, doing something else when we literally give him nothing you know he does this as a passion project so he got a lot of love for phil in this group yeah big time okay so we got all that gooey show of emotion out of the way um question number two is from toshiyamo mogagabi i hope i've got that right mate i'm not sure if that's just a twitter handle or if that's the name but uh toshiyamo has asked us he worded the question this way. He gave us five tag teams and he said, could you rank these from worst to best? Now, wrestling should be fun. We don't like to accentuate the things that are the worst. So I just thought, hey, five great tag teams. All of these tag teams are fucking sick. Let's just talk about them in order from, who, you know, who we, how we would rank them ourselves, right? Let's, let's take that word worst out of there. So the tag teams in no particular order were, or these, this is the order that Toshiyama gave them to us, the Usos, the New Day, the Young Bucks, FTR, and the Lucha Bros. I'm just going to keep talking because I've got mine here. I thought that what I would think about is not historical or not all-time legacy. I just thought about right now. If I was to try to rank these tag teams right now, where would I put them? And really, it's just my own personal taste. At the moment, um, I've got the New Day at fifth. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Just because I feel like they haven't quite had anything to sink their teeth into as a tag team for a little while, but I also don't watch WWE as close as I once did. And that's reflected by number four would be the Usos. I think their best matches are against the New Day. And when they're not wrestling the New Day, I think maybe the standard of the matches that they had goes down a little bit. Um, in number three, I've got the Lucha Bros. Probably match of the year last year, but that is unlucky that the two best tag teams in the world, in my eyes, who wrestled on Dynamite last week. Number two, the Young Bucks. number one FTR. I don't know about you guys. Did you guys have similar thoughts or did anyone want to do an all-time tag team legacy or something like that? What do you got? Yeah, I, th- I think I think I'll take it from the, the more longer-term period throughout what I've seen of them throughout, throughout their careers. And you're right, it's hard to go from fifth to first on this because they are all got unbelievable careers. But I think my fifth and fourth would be similar to yours, Don, but flipped around. I think the Usos, you know, all credit to them. They've had a lot of bangers, but I just think it's one of these things compared to the other four. They'd be, yeah, 
they'd, they'd slightly miss out. I think New Day, just because at their peak, maybe not as good as the Usos, but I just think that the amount of moments and how entertaining and, and also how just fucking over they were just kind of gives them the nod for me with, I mean, again, ridiculous talk about these guys as, as third because the Lucha Brothers, I think arguably technically are the best of the pack, but I've just got more out of FTR and books matches. And I'd actually go as, as ridiculous as it is when we talk about such a strong five, but I'd have the books a good five steps above the rest of the pack. They're not my favourite tag team of all time, but I think potentially objectively speaking, they're the, the best tag team of all time in terms of what they've achieved and what they've done and the matches they've had and everything around that and all the places they've worked. It's, uh, yeah, just just a, an outrageous career when you think about it. And they've still got a long way to go. Well, I think, like we said, it's a, such a strong field of five. Shaf, any, anything different? I've basically cut straight between you guys. I went New Day fifth longest reigning tag team champions of all time I think in WWE but I never really there's not like one New Day match I can just think off the top of my head and think I really want to go and watch that uh, Usos they've had to, they had you know some good matches at times like with the likes of um, the Wyatt family and like that's probably the last time I was regularly sort of into their stuff I've gone Lucha Bros 3 same as you guys yeah they're great you know they are they are brilliant, but I just don't think they're on level the next two. And, you know, I kind of wanted to cheat and go, you know, Bucks 1A, FTR 1B, but um, it's not that type of pod. So I won't sit on the fence. I did, even though FTR are my favourite tag team and are definitely probably the hottest tag team in the world at the moment. I'm yeah, sure we'll talk that. about that, you know, in what the nerds are watching. But I've gone for the Bucks. Slightly ahead of them just because they've been doing it slightly longer and because obviously FTR have had that run where they were on the main roster, where they weren't putting out bangers, uh, come to AEW and their title reign was slightly disappointing and they've been floundering a little bit the past couple of years. But don't get me wrong, they have had you know a couple of good matches, but the Bucks have certainly done it on a more regular basis in AEW. Uh, so I've gone for the Bucks ahead of FTR. But if I was going to, you know, power rank them today, I'd probably have FTR ahead of Bucks because the past couple of weeks have just been on a whole different level. Not to make the question even harder, but where would you squeeze in Techno Team 2000 in that? Well, you know, it's a difficult one because I really enjoyed his work in early WCW, you know, just stepping out the shadow of his father and showing everyone that he could be a future great. Um, <laughs> but they didn't really get the respect that they got, did they? Um <laughs> So much so that I can see his face and I can't even remember what his name is, even though I've watched him in WCW 92 loads. So, brother, uh, don't, uh, don't tell me then, because let's see. I, th- I think I think Eric Watts is the guy you're talking about. Yeah, right? Eric, yeah. that's it. Eric Watts, completely stinking up the place. But um, I can't I can't remember who was who else was in the tag team with it. Well, he was, they would have been the Janetti anyway, wouldn't they, with Eric Watts? Yeah, to be <laughs> fair, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, fuck, who would that have been? Brummit, you're going to have to put us out of our misery. This could be all night. Oh, it was... You don't remember Chad Fortune? <laughs> oh, no. I, I, I can't believe I don't. Chad Fortune went on to be a real big-name monster truck driver. Chad but, Fortune sounds like an NXT 2.0 gimmick. <laughs> yeah. Right. What they've rebranded Kushida as. Yeah, or it, well, Chad Fortune is almost LA Knight. Yeah. It sounds to me like a Tommy Hilfiger model. 
Let's keep going here, lads. Question three, last of our three that we've chosen from the thousands that piled in. This one comes from 2000s WWE. Uh, that Twitter handle is at WWE underscore zero zero S. 2000s WWE wants to know, uh, I'm not sure if that is his real name or her real name or their real name, what are some of our favourite all-time women's matches? Uh, I love this question. I think I'm going to cut off Brum there and I'm going to jump in because Brum knows about 3,000 of his favourite women's matches and I only know two. So so my favourite women's matches of all time are the two NXT women's matches between Bailey and Sasha Banks. One obviously main evented to take over, I believe, um, and they also did the Iron Woman match as well. That may have been the one that uh, main evented actually. Um, I just remember watching that and caring about women's wrestling in a way that I probably never cared about it before. To the extent that, you know, by the end, my eyes got a little bit steamy. And I still think both of them on the main roster are two of the people that I'm way more invested in than 99% of the rest of the people there. I could probably count on one hand how many people I'm invested in uh, in WWE and Bailey and Sasha Banks, the two of them going all the way back to those NXT takeover bangers that they had. Yeah, ding. That's one of mine too, the Iron Woman match. Unbelievable, unbelievable stuff. I'm going to keep going on that Brum main event this one because I've only got two more that I wanted to mention. Um, so that was one side of, I guess, the, uh, are, they, are we calling them the four horse women? The other two was probably the first women's match that I thought of when I saw this question. And I, I don't think a lot of people like it as much as me, but Becky versus Charlotte at the Evolution pay-per-view, they, they, they were the penultimate match, I think, and it was like a last woman standing. And I, I think it was just when like Becky was just super over. And I thought, you know, there's times when I just think Charlotte might be the best wrestler in the world. And I felt like after watching that match, I was just like, well, you've got the most over wrestler in the world and the best wrestler in the world. Or the best story. I think Charlotte, she's like a great storyteller, but... Anyway, that's a round table for another time. And that one, I don't, I don't even know. Like, if I watched it back now, maybe I wouldn't even like it. But at the time, I've never rewatched it. I was like, that was fucking great. Um, so that's, I'm going to add that, the other half of the uh, the Four Horsewomen. And then the last one that I wanted to mention was one that I saw live. I used to go to Pro Wrestling Eve a lot. I have literally seen hundreds of women's matches live here in the UK. But... One that stood out to me was with maybe my favourite wrestler, Charlie Evans. And at one Eve show, she wrestled Chris Wolf's hat. Um, and the hat represented a wolf called Tito. And they put it on a blow-up doll. And it was sort of like the Kenny Omega blow-up doll thing, but it was even better. Charlie Evans did it, but even better than Kenny Omega did. And it was just like one of my favourite matches I've ever seen in person. Um, I just, it was stupid, and but it was just so good. And it's that thing where you forgot that the blow-up doll wasn't real. Charlie Evans is a fucking genius. And if you don't know who she is, you will soon. Those are my three. Brummett, let's hear your top 50. Right, okay. So I didn't quite get to 50. But um, no, I did, I, I did. Thanks to the Naughty's WWE crew, because that like, genuinely love this question. Because it's actually, you know, I'm a very top five OCD person, but I've never actually thought about this particular topic for whatever reason. So I had, I did some proper ruminating in the shower this morning, and I got to six, 
right? And I don't suggest that these are the best six women's matches of all time, but I think similar to Shafi's point about what it made me feel and what at the time in my wrestling fandom, which is what I think we as a pod cover quite a lot, were the ones that grabbed me the most. So I'm not actually going to rank them, but I think... It's the 50th episode. I can be a bit self-indulgent. I'm going to talk about them chronologically from when I first watched the match. And the first one, and I think I might have a bit of a crossover with Shafi here, not as in his picks, but in terms of our fandoms. I think the TNA knockouts division in like late 2007 going into early 2008, which was a big wow moment for me in women's wrestling. And I think particularly the no DQ match, uh, final resolution, I'm pretty sure, between Gail Kim and Awesome Kong was one thing that if we watch back today or was on Dynamite this week would maybe not be at the level I saw it now. But at the time, watching that match and just seeing those guys have the ultimate like David and Goliath style wrestling match was brilliant. And I adored it at the time. And yeah, I've never gone back and Rewatched it and I don't intend to because I don't want to take any of the gloss of how much I enjoyed that. I remember that being a time when there, there was a very short period of time, I guess, before the like the four horsewomen came up to the main roster where impact it felt like they were being kept alive by that knockouts division, right? Like they, it, they all of them were setting the world on fire. I forgot all about that. Thanks for bringing that up. I might go back and have a look at some of that stuff. Keep going. I, I'm just gonna. Just no, no, but, but interestingly, off the back of that then, and I think especially with, with Kong's involvement, there was a lot of chat about, um, well, I guess just in the wrestling communities, both online and real life, um, off, I kind of found out then about the the 90s Japanese women's scene, like an AJW, and around that time then I went and dug into all that and, and probably first discovered what is, I think most people would say is the best women's wrestler ever in Manami Toyota. And just being blown away. I think my favorite of hers wouldn't, and if there's any like big Toyota fans listening to this will probably shout at me because I don't think it'd enter most people's top tens, mainly because it doesn't in- include Aja Kong, but her match versus Kyoko Inoue from the Wrestle Marine Piad, do they call it? Their annual show from 92. Just the most beautiful pacing. Like it's split between these amazing submission sections and crazy brutal sprints and more missile drop kicks than you can shake a stick at. Just, yeah, incredible. One of the many five-star Wrestling Observer matches, but one that I, yeah, just fell in love with from first watching it. And and eventually later on, when we were doing our nerd watches, I put up that show as a as one for us all to watch. Um, and yeah, and got to review it, just adored it. Number three is, and, and this includes, my, I'd say, my favourite women's wrestler, and I'd say arguably the most important person for the development of women's wrestling, as she trained essentially three of the <laughs> three of the four horsewomen, not to mention how much of an influence she's had just from people emulating her career. Sarah Del Rey. And I think the match of hers, that is the, for me, is the standout. And I've, I've not watched as much of a Shimmer catalogue, but especially a Chikara catalogue, is the, when she main evented with Kana, obviously now Asuka, that match blew me away. Um, I think I think it's still online, actually, knocking about. But, and obviously, it's the first time I'd ever seen any of the modern Joshi wrestlers. 
and Tanner was outrageous. Sarah Del Rey, I already knew, was brilliant. There's this spot in the match where that was when um, Tanner, what basically, well, that's kind of she wrestled barefoot with kick pads. And there's this section where she's just booting Sarah Del Rey brutally in the corner and she kicks her so hard that her kick pad flies off. And it's just an amazing visual. The crowd were really into it. I'd, um, I'd recommend going and digging it out. Uh, number four was Sasha Bailey. I'd actually go their Brooklyn one rather than the Iron Man, though both amazing. That match, just Bailey. I mean, obviously both of them, but Bailey's character there, which is if you'd have explained that to a wrestling fan, they would have never bought into it. They'd said that is just not going to get over. And that match just had the crowd eating out of the palm of their hands. Just incredible. Um, number five. So going back to sunny Japan with stardom shining destiny 2019 and Arisa Hashiki versus Tam Nakano big props to uh, wrestling should be funds JCH for introducing me to this one and um, that was through the nerd watch secret Santa where we shared each other's matches and it's up there with the most brutal matches I've ever seen it's like Tomohiro Ishii versus a Nokia 3310 in that neither would break there's, again, a sec section in that match where Arisa forearms Tam in the head like 22 times. Tam manages to get up, gets on top, and then kicks Arisa in the head like 11 times. And just well, obviously JCH loved it because there's so many of these incredibly violent knee strikes. But not only is it just people booting each other in the head, it's like they, yeah, it's so emotional. They sell it brilliantly. Even the post-match, it's just gorgeous stuff. Um and finally, I, sorry, go I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in quickly. I I don't think I've ever seen JCH as happy as when we went to the the Eve um, show in Brighton, where they booked a lot of the Joshi wrestlers from um, Sendai Girls. Like, I guess is their home promotion, I think. And um, Hoshiki hit a knee, and I've just never seen him. It, it was just like absolute elation. Um, if you <laughs> if you could bottle like the childlike awe and wonder in the eyes of Harris and sell it like a drug, you know, you'd, you'd definitely be making fucking millions. I tell you. It is an absolutely gorgeous knee. And for the most recent installment, I'm sticking with stardom. Actually. I, I think this might actually be the best of the bunch. If it didn't necessarily get the most emotional reaction to me, just in terms of an objective review on a wrestling match. So that's Hiyori versus Hayashi Shita from the catchily titled Stardom's Tokyo Dream Cinderella Special Edition. Like, I don't actually want to talk about it because I think people should just go and watch it. It's just unbelievable. Like the previous one, like an another all-out war. And the finish is perfect in that I just don't want to spoil it. It's like, I don't want to tell you how the Sopranos ends just go and dig out that match they have they've had, had a few there they had a rematch for the title over Christmas which was also really good but yeah that one from Tokyo Dream Cinderella special edition is the one to go watch just perfect yeah one of the best matches I've ever seen maybe fair play lovely stuff I I trust you on all of those. I'm very intrigued about Sarah Del Rey versus Asuka. Um, oh, I'm going so to be going and finding that one myself. I love a bit of Sarah Del Rey myself. So, yeah. But, but yes, thanks thanks again for the uh, that question. I thought it was brilliant. And sorry for boring people's heads off talking a lot about that. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Gail Kim and Awesome Kong. Completely forgot about that. Great stuff. That was probably the first good female match I ever saw or female rivalry or female series, however you want to describe it. 
trailblazing, I think you'd say. I think I think that's fair, right? Like, yeah. Just... Great stuff. Great, great stuff. We're super excited, actually, when uh, Awesome Kong signed with AEW, but it's just unfortunate that um, obviously health issues prevented her from hitting her previous heights. Yeah. Thanks to everyone that's sending questions, even if we didn't quite get to them. Maybe we'll have a look on, you know, the 100th episode. Um, and, you know, just once again, thanks so much for everyone's support listening out there. we got a couple of regular segments to get to. Let's get into what the nerds are watching. I've been watching you. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Come on. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Okay, fellas, as always, what the nerds are watching is pretty weird. When I'm in charge, we haven't really got a run sheet, but the three of us are kind of known as AEW. Uh, I get, oh, this sounds so lame, but AEW super fans. But I just wanted to quickly make mention I watched uh, the BT Sport SmackDown highlights this week. I always say if you want to watch a bit of WWE but you haven't got three hours, Get on those BT Sport highlights. They punch it out in about 40 minutes. It's it's decent when you're doing the washing up or, or you know, cleaning the oven. So uh, I watched SmackDown this morning from last week and just a couple of little bits from me. Pete Dunne made his wrestling debut. All right, Shadow Creature, you're dealing with Scrappy-Doo now. Prepare to splat! Do you reckon he won? No. No, no of course he didn't. Got beaten clean by a roll-up uh, by Xavier Woods. What I've noticed, though, is they've really lent into this Scrappy-Doo character that I've now seen a couple of people mention. I really feel that I was the first person to to draw that metaphor, but on commentary he was referred to as having... Xavier Woods first said he had rabies. Then he was referred to as a rabid animal and a rabid dog. I think that they're going with the idea that he can't speak English and he is genuinely half animal, which is interesting. I don't really care, to be honest. The quality of my work speaks for itself. I'm sure that at some point, you know, hopefully we might get, you know, true to form Pete Dunn. Uh, But the the only issue with making him a Scrappy-Doo character is everyone hated (laughs) Scrappy-Doo. 100%. Like, just the most pointless character. Yeah. Like, he's just annoying. He's another one who should have died on the way back to his home planet. (laughs) Uh, excellent. Good reference that. Uh, the other thing that I noticed about like character changes, obviously WWE doing a lot of name changes and stuff like that. I don't want to go into a debate now, but an interesting one that I thought, and I use the term interesting because it's the nicest word I can think of. Marcel Bartel was the previous name in WWE. Um, of course, we knew him over here with Progress as uh, Axel Diddle Jr., he is now called Ludwig Kaiser. Are you fucking kidding me? Ludwig, L-U-D-W-I-G, Kaiser. Jesus fucking Christ. To be fair, I, I, don't think it's as bad, I don't think it's as bad as that, Dom. I think it's actually Ludwig. So oh, it's much nicer. Much nicer. Ludwig. Part, yeah, part, pardon me. Pardon me. So that, so that makes him the second best Ludwig to ever be in WWE. <laughs> you are an idiot. My favourite moment in wrestling of all time, my genuinely my favourite moment in wrestling of all time was hugging Dita Jr. after he signed his WWE contract. I thought like, you were going to say something about Ludwig Borger then. Me too. My favourite moment in wrestling was when Ludwig Borger ended to tank his two-year undefeated streak. It was beautiful. 
Um, so anyway, those are just things that stood out stood out for me on SmackDown. You know, I was just just interesting stuff. I like, I'm glad that guys are getting TV time, and I'm really glad that people that I've been following, I'm glad they're making a living. Fucking, I hope they've been paid. It's awesome, and I hope to see them in Cardiff. But fuck me, like any danger of just letting them wrestle. But anyway, one thing I will say, yeah, in in slight defence of Ludwig Kaiser. Um, is when I heard that he was going to be uh, Marcel Bartel, I thought that was an absolutely awful name. Like, why would they make up some Mickey Mouse name like that for him? Um, you know, what was wrong with Axel, Axel Dieter Jr.? That was a great name. Why, why give him this silly sort of pseudo-rhyming name uh, until someone sort of pointed out that that's his real name? <laughs> um, yeah. like, you know that, that bit in Cool Runnings? <laughs> Tallulah. <laughs> Sounds like a Jamaican whore. That's my mother's name. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, but that grew on me. I don't know how well Kaiser will grow on me, but um, yeah. Like you said, hopefully he gets paid, um, you know, and all the best for the future. Because let's be honest, the guy is class. Yeah, um, he's great, isn't he? You know, as is Pete Dunne, you know, and this, we can't just say, I hope they go to AEW, to everyone. So hopefully it will turn around for, for the positive. Yeah, uh, like to be honest, like it it made me tune into SmackDown this week. Like I was like, oh, you know, Pete Dunn's there. I knew that um, Gunter Walter was debuting, so I thought I'd have a look. You know, and it, you know, it's not a bad show. I I'm not here. I'm not trying to rip on it. it I, they were just funny things that I noticed. Yeah, funny. I don't know if they're great. Anyone else want to talk about anything that's not AEW? Just a super quick shout out to. Um... Fucking pretty deadly winning the NX, NXT tag titles. That's massive, isn't it? Oh, can I just say, yeah, the fucking boys. Yeah, incredible. Talking about name changes, that's actually one where I quite like their new names. Uh, so one of them is Elton something, right? Yeah, it's um, Elton, Elton Prince, Prince and Kit Wilson. Yeah, so Elton Prince, I can see where that, that's coming from, probably. I often think about like, uh, how much input the wrestlers get and whether the wrestlers actually get to choose something. You know, maybe, you know, if, if you love Delton John and Prince, cool name, you know, to be like, hey, you know, if I was called um, Ian Bell Van Dam. Oh, it's interesting that you thought it was those two. I thought it was uh, Ben Elton and Prince Ikea. <laughs> I 100% knew you were going to make that a similar joke to that and I just wanted to set you up. That's the whole reason I did it. <laughs> I knew you couldn't help yourself. <laughs> yeah, mate, uh, like pretty deadly. Absolutely fair play. I hope they're getting paid too because the two times I've met them, nicest blokes in the world. So, uh, so differing uh, fortunes for NXT UK alumni there. Yeah, um, big time. We wish them all the best. Definitely. So I wanted to start off with AEW chat. I'm not, you know, we don't we don't want to be going through every single match, all that sort of stuff, right? But I wanted to just kind of mention, and I really loved, I didn't love it. I really enjoyed WrestleMania. I had a nice time watching both nights, and I also enjoyed the GCW stuff. I enjoyed the Ring of Honor show, right? But I think there is an argument that on WrestleMania week, and no one's going to remember them, but there are at least three matches on AEW television this week that could have been considered 
maybe the three best matches of WrestleMania week or as good as anything, depending on how much you like, you know, real death matches or PG death matches with jackass people. And so, like, to me, I just wanted to mention, like, fuck, I really thought, and no one is ever going to remember it, but, geez, that Christian Cage versus Adam Cole match was good. I, yeah, like, for, for a throwaway match. Like, they went out and just opened up with, like, a four-star, you know, it was great. Yeah. Unexpected, sort of modern TV classic, I guess. And But it's just, it's such a, sh- do you think that, I don't know, I don't really even know how to word this, like, philosophically, but it's almost like AEW just has so much good wrestling that, it's almost a shame that that's on on the same week as like, you know, obviously the tag matches and the, and um, rampage. Yeah. You know, like, I, cause I, I honestly, I don't think either of you guys would have mentioned that match. Right. If, you, if so I was, I was going to mention it, but only because I got the results in front of me to remind me. Yeah. Cause I, I just watched it. I was like, fuck, like I forgot that Adam Cole and Christian Cage were 10 out of 10 wrestlers. You know, it's all you just forget because it's like they're in a company with Dragon and now Joe and fucking Suzuki and all this crazy stuff going on. The Bucks and FTR, and it's like, oh yeah, those are just two ten out of ten wrestlers. What, what I really liked about that match was it was it felt less like an. I mean, I've been quite maybe a bit critical recently about, and I love Adam Cole. I think he's incredible talent, but how. It's like his matches are just all the same now. That was well around 15 minutes, right? And it didn't feel like the typical Adam Cole just constantly surprised at kicking out of finishes for half an hour. It was just good wrestling. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. I, I just really enjoyed it. It was just an easy watch, good wrestling match. I mean, uh, this is probably quite controversial, but I really think Adam Cole is long overdue for a refresh. You'd see sort of other wrestlers, you know, on that level like Jericho or, uh, you know, who will constantly refresh their characters every few years to keep them fresh. And it just feels like Cole has been doing the same thing for, you know, maybe five, six years at this point. To the extent that you say like his, he's got his main event match, hasn't he? That it's just, if you've seen it, you know, a few times, you've, you'd never need to see it again. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of at that point with Adam Cole, which is why I'm, you know, they're obviously having this Texas death match this week between him and um, Hangman. So hopefully that will go, that will be something with the stipulation or maybe be something a little bit different. Uh, but yeah, I would love to see him just do something a little bit different. Maybe they need to get this feud between maybe him and the elite out the way uh, first, yeah. but just to see something different out of Cole. Cause yeah. A couple of ideas off the top of my head, maybe stop getting the crowd to say baby, like a baby face. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we can, we can talk ad nauseum, can't we, about how he's the yeah. worst heel in wrestling because he's cheered more than 99% of the faces. But just even the character, you know, maybe refresh the moveset as well because I, I don't need to see the, the Panama Sunrise like any more times. It just become a bit convoluted, I think. Yeah, uh, maybe... It's I, like I when think... Moxley was doing that um, rebound lariat in every WWE match and it just became so forced that I just like to see something a little bit different and he's more than capable you know there's, there's not a criticism on the guy he's fantastic at what he does which is why he's so popular but he's also more than capable of uh, making it fresh again I think I'll tell you yeah. what though you mentioned one thing there you said that maybe the death match might be different with the stipulation but in my mind the Adam Cole main event is always hardcore rules right 
Yeah, that, I mean, that is a fair point, isn't it? I yeah. mean, he's obviously, he had the, I think it was Fool's Count anywhere with uh, Orange Cassidy, and he obviously had some NXT main events as well. But I don't know, maybe this, maybe Hangman will push him out of his comfort zone. That's certainly what I hope for, because the Texas death matches in AEW have, have been quite good and unpredictable, I think. I still think it's going to be amazing. I just, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. Amazing. Like, he's, I'm not... It kind of sounds like I'm complaining, even though he's going out and having great matches, but it would just be nice to see him bring a little bit more freshness and flavour to some of the stuff he does, I think. Um, Because, obviously, AEW have a constant influx of of people. You know, we've had, obviously, Brian come in and Mox, even though he was only gone for a couple of months, you know, he seems super refreshed and, you know, Wheeling Yu is obviously moving up the card. We've got people like Suzuki coming in and out. Joe's just debuted this week. Like, you, I feel like you'll get left behind and f- almost be a bit stagnant if you don't keep updating your act. And to be honest, that has affected Hangman as well to a certain extent in this feud. He doesn't really feel like the centre of the show anymore because there's so much other cool stuff going on. So hopefully after the match on Rampage, they'll both have more clear paths and interesting stories uh, going I mean, forward. I mean, Paige Punk is going to put the guy in the centre of the show, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've seen a lot of people suggest that they think Cole's going to win the title on Rampage. Personally, I can't see it, but I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on that. I, I really fucking hope they don't. That's all I can say. Surely not, right? I, I mean, it would be a shock to do a... Well, they've all the title changes have been on pay-per-view, haven't they, I think? I'd write a strongly worded letter to my MP if they do that <laughs> title change. And that guy's name is Daniel Fred. <laughs> uh, yeah, I look, surely I can't, I can't imagine they're going to do that. But I'll tell you what, I'll be shocked if they do. And I don't know, maybe that's a shake up or something or other. But oh, it's got to be Paige versus Punk. Um, obviously, this, this show was fantastic. I mean, we had the Bucks versus uh, FTR, who were coming off one of the best weeks I think I've ever seen in, for, off a tag team. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I'm sure you spoke uh, at length about, or you guys have certainly thought at length about FTR versus the Briscoes, which was, for me, the the match of WrestleMania weekend. Um, By a mile. Just unbelievable. Yeah. How the hell can the Bucks versus FTR be FTR's, not FTR's best match that week? It's outrageous, isn't it? It's just yeah. I. So- this is not me trying to be different. I, I thought it was just as good, if not a touch you know, I, I really found it as entertaining, but yeah. yeah. But to be honest, it's, when it's at that level, it doesn't, it doesn't really yeah. matter. They were both exceptional. That, like, I, I slightly preferred the, the Briscoes match, but you, Dom, that's not a controversial take at all. Both were unbelievable. Wrestling's not a vacuum, right? Like I, I, watched, yeah. I watched the Briscoes one with like talking to JCH and drinking beer, you know? I probably just paid closer attention to the, to the Bucks one. That's all it would be, you know. Yeah, yeah, but so good, and you know, I'm personally glad that FTR finally got this this showcase because it kind of feels like they haven't necessarily been given the platform that they deserve since they've come into AEW. They've always been, you know, Bucks have been front and center pretty much the whole time, whether they've had the belts or not. It's interesting actually because we've talked a lot in this group about you know like and well not everyone talks about how there's too many wrestlers in AEW or whatever and like oh what do you do to rest but actually holding people back for a bit and then just pushing them into the light is in this is a case of it working well I don't I don't think that that you know I'm not saying that it's all rosy and there's 
issues on the other side of it. But I think this is an example of, you know, taking guys off and then sticking them back into the limelight and seeing what they can do. I'm hoping we get the set the same with um Santana and Ortiz eventually yeah. as well. I'm not saying they're necessarily that exact same level, but you know, it's a similar thing. I think you can, especially in the tag division, you can get away with it a little bit more. So um yeah. Yeah, I, I mean what's been interesting with FTR is about a week ago, I can't think who they wrestled. Oh, the Ass Boys, I think it was. Yeah. You know, like over the, the few weeks leading up to that, they'd sort of been doing, because they're still in the pinnacle, you know, as far as I'm aware. Like, it's, it's still sort of referenced that they're still in the pinnacle. But they've sort of been doing this sort of slow face turn, and they got rid of Tully. They've sort of disagreed with the treatment of Wardlow. They faced the ass boys. But this week on Dynamite against the Bucks, like, how over were they as faces? They got a huge face reaction. Yeah, just they- awesome. And and like they sort of they sort of shifted that way throughout the Briscoes match as well, right? Yeah. And yeah. and what's been great is that they haven't really changed. That's what I like in wrestling. I don't like when a hill becomes popular and turns face, and they then discard everything that made you like them in the first place. They're still going to go out and smash people in the face. You know, they they haven't, you know, become really smiley and start shaking everyone's hands. And like, well. I, sh- I say that, but obviously they did shake the briskets. But what I mean is they haven't become white meat baby faces. Yeah, because they've always respected the conventions of wrestling. Yeah. That's their character, right? So they would respect the code of honour because they know what good wrestling is and they respect history, which, yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah it's, I mean, it's an, obviously it's just great stuff. It's just great, great stuff. But we're getting Bret Hart in the corner for the double or nothing match. I do well. Are they getting him, or is Punk getting him? Because they're they're all just competing over who's the biggest Bret Hart fan, right? Not to. So Bret was asked about this apparently over WrestleMania weekend about going to AEW, and he basically said, "Why? Not like as in he doesn't want to go there because obviously he was there to present the world title for the first ever match, but more like what would I do? You know, like why would they need me, sort of thing. So I don't know if that's him being modest or or yeah. honest." Did he sound like he follows the product, Chef? Or did like, do you know if he, or maybe he just read it? Or, um, I mean, I haven't got his schedule here, but um, <laughs> I think there's a lot of there is a lot of mutual respect. I think between, I don't think it's a one way street between Brett and FTR. I think he appreciates the uh, the traditional elements that they bring, the fundamentals. Yeah. Brett definitely does follow the product because he did that 45-minute rant on Tout about uh, Peter Avalon's release. And also, if you if you remember at the Hall of Fame, it was uh, one of FTR who came out and saved Brett when he, well, he definitely laid a few punches into the guy who rugby tackled Brett, didn't he? When the foundation were Mr. Wheeler, Cash Wheeler. Yeah, the, the, thing for, the thing for Double or Nothing as well, it's that's when is the, the Owen finals as well. Yeah, so. that's a very good point. Yeah, good stuff. We could probably just, you know, Shaf, you said you got the results up, but I'm going to ask you, does anything else jump out at you um, that you really were keen to talk about this week? So, I mean, we need to talk about Rampage because that was massive as well. But I was just going to quickly throw a quick shout out to uh, Smojo on Dynamite this week. Uh, I love that. Obviously, with uh, Max Caster, Pretty much a glorified squash, but, you know, Joe brought it. Joe sort of showed he's, he's come to play. Um, he didn't phone it in, that's for sure. And if he can get back to, you know, because I imagine he hasn't wrestled much, if he can get back to some sort of ring shape, then having Joe to sort of bring in and out the way that they have with Suzuki, like, is a massive asset. And 
personally, having not been interested in Ring of Honor at all in a long time, like suddenly I, I want to watch the next show. I want to see what they're going to do. And Joe's going to be a part of that. Samoa Joe versus Jay Lethal is that that's going to be worth tuning in for. And of course, we get Joe versus Suzuki on Dynamite tonight. Cannot wait. Outrageous. Rampage. The uh, Blackpool Combat Club. What is there to say? I, I just, I, how can you not like wrestling? <laughs> yeah, it's just the best. So fucking good. I think the Blackpool Combat Club is something that is firmly aimed at us as fans, isn't it? It's something that we I all mean, love. Yeah. Involving but, people that we all love. But it's also not even aimed just at us as the fans. It's just for them too. It's like just those three having a good time doing what they want, right? Yeah. Do you think that they're going to add new members? Like, do you think that Wheeler Yuta will join? Is that was that is that what this means? Yeah. Yeah, Wheeler so, join. Yeah, I I see him as a member. Like Mox after the the main event said, "This is where the hard work begins," right? And they've, they've yeah. also released a, a a t-shirt of you know how he ripped BCC and blood on his chest. AW've released a BCC shirt where it's like written in blood, sort of thing. So, yeah. So I mean, on the show obviously started with Brian versus Trent, which was great, um, yeah. and was another wrinkle in the story because on Dynamite, you know, Trent again had made. Uh, comments to Utah about you know how he never liked him, never wanted him to be a part of them, and he was going to show him what a beating he was going to put on Prime. And you know, like Trent's great in these one-on-one matches; like he's perfect for TV. You know, he'll go out and you know he's he can more than hold his own against some of these bigger stars. So that was you know a nice little wrinkle in this story. But the main event was just a masterpiece. Just an, and there's uh, you know one you mentioned about some of these great matches getting lost to. The fact that they come in the week after WrestleMania, like, but just a, an absolute masterpiece in professional wrestling, Mox versus Wheelie Utah. And Mox isn't necessarily known as, you know, being a, a fantastic technician or storyteller, but this was just pro wrestling done right. You know, lots of people will put over someone, like, you know, people talk about one, two, three kid and Razor Ramon or, you know, those type of upsets, but. I don't think they really like for me, I hate that type of stuff. When you see someone who an underdog gets a fluke victory and then I'm not saying it happened in the razor match, but uh, an underdog gets a fluke victory and then the hill gets all the heat back by beating the shit out of them. And it's completely forgotten in three seconds that, you know, who won and who lost the match. You had just gained so much more in a defeat than he would have gained in victory in that match. They just completely made the guy seeing Mox at the end after the match, just in disbelief. Like, what is it going to take, you know, to beat this guy? He obviously kicked out of a paradigm shift and Mox had the shocked face, you know, but he didn't overplay it too much. It didn't get cheesy like it, you know, it can at times in WWE. Then he did sort of the elevated paradigm shift and he kicked out of that again. And rather than, you know, have an even bigger shocked face, he just went straight to a submission because he was like, okay, if I'm going to have to kill you, then I'll kill you which was just a lot more, it was more in tune with like New Japan style for me when they get into a finishing sequence and someone keeps kicking out and they transition to something else rather than, you know, oversell the fact that they've kicked out. They just keep going until the guy's finished. And obviously after the bell, the disbelief at how much it took, like, you know, 
what the fuck's wrong with this kid? Like I, I squashed him in, you know, two minutes a couple of months ago. And now, yeah, I just absolute art for me on a different level than I, I can't remember the last time I saw someone made like that in defeat. Um, so hats off to John Moxley and you did a hell of a, I mean, he was well up there on the motor scale when it came to, uh, to blood jobs. So, yeah. You've said it all there, chef, as far as I'm concerned, I, the only thing I wanted to add, well, you mentioned Trent. I really liked the job that Regal does in half putting over people on commentary. He's talking about, he's, you know, it's almost like the old uh, Bobby Heenan sort of thing about, you know, you, you don't talk negatively about your opponent. You build them up. So then when we beat them, it's more important. Yeah. And I, I think Regal's doing that really well on commentary for all of Dragon's opponents. I also still think, and I think there's been a lot of memes online. People have, like, tried to think that it's a mistake. I don't think it's a mistake that Regal seems to favour Dragon over Moxley, right? I think that that's a long-term story, but I don't know. I might be wrong. Maybe I just, maybe I'm seeing things that aren't there, like Kanye's albums. But um, yeah, I think I think maybe there's a long-term story there as well. In terms of Regal um, favouring Brian, I think that that is he comes out with him to matches. He doesn't come out with Mox. He as he said he's the best wrestler in the world, or the best. I think he may have even said he's the best wrestler ever. Uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. So I don't think that that is necessarily subtle. I think Brian is like his model student, and Mox is the tearaway that he still has like a soft spot for, and is trying to trying to channel some of that craziness into you know a uh, a shared goal, shall we say. Um, but yeah, Mox, I, I, Mox has called Brian the best wrestler as well in, in the past few weeks. So they both bring something different. Yeah, Mox is using a bit more wrestling. Brian has, you know, increased his sadistic side. So they're, as a team, just a perfect storm. I, I, think, I think I'll probably go one step further. I agree with all that, Shaft, but I think I'll go one step further with the that kind of tripartite relationship in that where Brian is... Regal's greatest love. Mox is his greatest hate, but he values him so much that he, you know, he knows, you know, because he's that dangerous, because he was the one that caused him all the that hell in FCW in that incredible feud to bring it. So he thought, I'm going to bring him in to make this group as powerful as I can. But it is that yin yang of, you know, the the white love that he has for Brian and the black hate he has for Mox. But it's a, it's what it makes it work, and I think that as as Dom touched on, I think in the longer term there will be a real interesting dynamic that they'll play with that. But yeah, that'll be much further down the line. Yeah, I tell you what, what a week of wrestling, right? Um, as always, uh, we could talk about AW all night, but we've still got a roundtable to do here, lads. <laughs> <laughs> and and let's be honest, we're probably going to talk about AW all of next week as well with Punk versus Penta. Uh, Hobbs and Starks versus Lee and Swerve Strickland. We've got the tag match between uh, Jungle Express and Red Dragon. Like, it's another absolutely stacked dynamite. Joe and then we've got, and the, yeah, sorry, exactly. So, <laughs> Joe Suzuki that I forgot to mention on Rampage. We've got the world title match with Cole and Hangman. So, it's got, probably going to be AEW heavy again next week. And But what a time to be alive as a wrestling fan. We've been absolutely spoiled. I'm just earmarking that in a future episode, my roundtable is going to be to talk about Tony Khan's booking of the new Ring of Honor and how he's going to keep them separate in the future and how Willa Uta and Samoa Joe are going to be the stars on that show. 
and how they're occasionally going to come over to AW. But that's for a whole roundtable. We'll do we'll do a half an hour on that on an episode in the future. Next time, just, on just one one last point because uh, uh, we were talking about FTR. We spoke about you know ranking them earlier in the top five, uh, and again the amazing week that they had. What's interesting, I think, at this point is that the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions feel an absolute league ahead of the AW Tag Team Champions. Like they just seem so much more credible, so much more over than Jurassic Express, uh, which I think is a really interesting dynamic. Whether Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus keep the belts tonight on Dynamite or not, but yeah, I mean that's something that, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe that's something we could talk about in a future roundtable as well. You know, is ROH going to be semi-equal to AEW, or is it going to be more of a feeder system? Because as I say, I feel like their tag champions are our divisions above the AEW Tag Team Champions at the moment. Tony, please give us Kings of Wrestling versus FTR and Ring of Honor. That's what I want. Oh, don't do that to me. <laughs> hey, let's do the round table, fellas. So, Brummett, We've got two roundtables this week, guys, and uh, we know if you're looking at the clock now and going, fuck, they've gone long, well, just like we missed out on uh, the call-up sheet, we are going to leave Book of Bingo for next week as well so we can give the roundtable our full attention. This week, um, WWE announced that they're coming back to the UK to uh, the Principality Stadium, I think it's called these days, um, in Cardiff for what they're calling a major or a premium event. I hope I've got that wording right, Princess Stephanie. And I thought that our roundtables this week should probably be to do with either UK wrestling or WWE in the UK or how we see that kind of show going. But I've, I've left it open for Brummett and Shaft to, to choose what they would like to discuss. But that's kind of our overarching theme. That is our semantic field, WWE in Cardiff. Brummett, what do you got for us? So I thought it'd be a good time to talk about what you guys see as the best or favourite matches ever on UK soil. And that is exactly what it says on the tin. That could be big companies, indies, stuff you've seen, whatever. What, what, what do you think of the best matches um, that have happened in the UK? Chef, does anything come to mind immediately? Straight in, we're going to go with SummerSlam 92, Brett versus Bulldog. Uh, the biggest event to ever happen in the UK. We've obviously waited another 30 years to get another big event over here, another big stadium event. And the fact that Brett and Bulldog as an IC title match uh, main evented over Savage and Warrior in the world title match was massive. It, with 30 years of retrospect, was the right decision. Um, yeah, that was a brilliant match. That is the first one that springs to mind. Brum, you might, you're going to have to help me out here because my... Uh, Cerebral matter isn't the same after 2000 as it is before, but HBK and Cena was that a UK match? Yeah, yeah. Earl's Cole. Yeah, HBK Cena on Raw. That's the one where they went almost an hour, about a month yeah. or so after WrestleMania 23, I want to say. Does that sound right? You'd know that more than me, mate. I reckon that's about right. Yeah. What do you mean, Earl's Court? So there used to be, uh, uh, what's the word? Like a, a, an arena or something there, but it's not there anymore. Oh, right. So I always just assumed that London shows have always been at like the O2. No, I think it was Earl's Court Exhibition Centre. Yeah. 
Yeah, because um, no else. Uh, the O2 used to just be the Millennium Dome and had like a, a giant body in it or something, and no one went there and was uh, a massive white elephant for the government until it became like a cinema and a Nando's and a place WWE come maybe once or twice a year. Fair play. I remember watching that match on TV. I, I had no idea that was in the UK. I like because for me it was just a raw, and I remember that was at the time when. I pretty much, I only watched Ring of Honor and then I tuned into Raw to hate on it because I was a dickhead. Um, and I remember just being like, oh, fuck, they're trying to do Joe versus Punk on Raw. Yeah. I was <laughs> I was a real internet wanker. But it's okay because now you're positive because you realise wrestling should be fun. That is correct. Chef, I've cut you off there. I, I feel like, do you have any others on a list? Uh, no, they were the two that spring to mind. I mean... We've obviously seen loads of great matches at Progress um, that will probably, you know, 99.9% of people will, will never see. You know, Tyler Bates' run in Super Strong Style was excellent at the ballroom, matches against the likes of Riddle. Yeah, stands out. Chris Hero in the ballroom at Super Strong Style as well. Uh, I think he faced, I want to say him and Tommy End had a match in Super think, Strong Style. I reckon that was the final, right? I think... The 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 really great match. This is just my opinion. I might be wrong, but I think the really great match of the run was um, against Mark Andrews. Yeah, any it was, right. and it, it was like it was almost like what you said about a, a big strong heel. Not a hero. Hero is not a heel, but you know, like a, a bully kind of getting a baby face more over because Andrews just kept kicking out of shit, and he eventually gave him like the proper like rhino pile driver off the second rope. Yeah. Yeah, and like I said, I, I remember it really clearly because it was actually my first progress show. Yeah, but I mean, for, for mainstream ones, I was will go Brett and Bulldog and Cena and Michaels. I'm so glad, Chef. I'm gonna, obviously, it's Brum's question, so he made events. Um, I'm so glad that you mentioned two from WWE because obviously I, I'm going to kind of give the spiel that, I like you said, literally thousands of matches I've seen and I can't remember them. Like, just great, great matches I've seen in person. I mean, just I've to give just, you an idea. I just thought of one which should definitely be on your list, and it was in Liverpool, Olympia, I believe. <laughs> yeah. And I hope that's on your list. It is. It Otherwise, is. we're going to have to take away your fan club card. <laughs> yeah. I also know that it's Brummett's favourite match of all time, I think. So <laughs> yeah, I, I reckon it might get a mention. So... Literally thousands of matches I've seen in person since I moved to the UK seven years ago. Just so much great wrestling. And really, I just wanted to say, if you're listening to this and you live in the UK, or you live in America, you live in fucking New Zealand or Rwanda, and you've got a chance to go to independent wrestling, just go. Just go. You'll love it. Like, it's independent wrestling is just the fucking best. Just go and you'll make friends there. And just do it. Because, I mean, one year here in the UK when I had a bit more money, I think it was, I went, I think I went to 45 shows in a year. Um, so you can imagine the sort of wrestling that I've seen since I've been here, but these are the three that jumped out at me that I've seen live that I just remembered. Maybe I wasn't too drunk. And some of these names, maybe it's not the coolest shit to mention these names anymore, but we can appreciate the art because I saw Will Ospreay versus Marty Skrull at Ring of Honor um, in London in the York Hall. And at that time, it was probably the best match I ever saw in person. Um, I know Ross loves that match as well. I saw Will Ospreay versus Jimmy Havoc in the ballroom several times. The one in particular that had the Essex Destroyer off the balcony and just all crazy shit. They did like a fans bring the weapons match. 
I think that was Mother's Day five years ago. Yeah, <laughs> that's that is correct. I think just you know maybe I I you know I can't split those two for you know the two favorite matches I've seen in person. I think, and then the third one. This I'm actually cheating, Brum, because this actually isn't in the UK, but it's kind of what we call Britress. Um, St Patrick's Day weekend, I went over to Dublin uh, for an OTT show, and I. I had the privilege of seeing the blow-off match of the Jordan Devlin-Walter feud um, in OTT in person. And I'm not sure if it was the best match I've ever seen, but just with the build-up and the crowd and Devlin, the hometown boy, slaying the Goliath, um, just being there, I think fucking loads of people were crying and it was just insane. Just one of the best wrestling experiences I've ever had. So those are the ones that jump out at me. And, of course, everyone knows Liverpool Olympia. Brummer, what happened there? Yeah, it's just—it's a bit of a three-star match. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not. Yeah, my, my favourite match ever: uh, Dragon versus McGuinness, RH Unified. The now Wheelie Uta's pure title versus the RH World Title. Just fucking gorgeous, wasn't it? Absolutely, two of the best wrestlers to ever live, beating the shit out of each other. I mean, we won't talk about the post spot now, but just I, I've got to—I've got to leave it at that. Dom, you could talk about it if you want, because I will just. I'll just get too giddy. Yeah, um, just just incredible stuff. But I just um, I got to see them wrestle in Melbourne, actually, with about two hundred other Aussies. Most of them were WWE fans and had no idea what was going on. I actually travelled from where I live um, in rural Queensland to Melbourne. So you know, if you're not sure of Australian geography, it's about I don't know. I think it's about two thousand kilometres. Um, I didn't walk it. I did fly, but it was still a fucking big journey for a nineteen-year-old. And um, yeah, and I also in my hometown, I guess I've been living in the UK long enough. I've probably got away with it. I actually stole um, a street sign, Aberdeen Street, and I put it in my suitcase to take to Melbourne, but it got taken off me at the airport. So I had to just tell American Dragon. I was like, I stole you a street sign, Um, but it got taken off me at the airport. So I thought that was a pretty cool story. You know, just when I got to see Dragon versus McGuinness in person, it wasn't quite as good as Liverpool though. (laughs) Brahman, I'm sure you got a couple others. Yeah, I, I, again, try to cover a few different areas. Funnily enough, on the personal ones, well, I know that I think the main that those main two WWE ones, I think Shafi got spot on. Um, but I, I remember going to Insurrection 2000 as a little 15-year-old pup. That was at the Earl's Cart Exhibition Centre. And I remember, as a 15-year-old, absolutely adoring the main event of Rock versus Triple H versus Shane McMahon with like Vince and Stephanie at ringside and it just being an absolute overbooked attitude mess of a main event. But being there as a 15-year-old lad, just absolutely adoring it. Um, but actually, looking back at the card, the five matches that preceded that were uh, Kurt Angle versus Benoit. A title change, because British Bulldog beat Crash Holly for the hardcore title. The Hardy Boys versus Edge and Christian. And then Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Jericho. But yeah, the thing I come out remembering is is Rock Triple H and Shane and a well, you got to see the best wrestler in the world and two lads who did all right for themselves in uh, Triple yeah, H. Exactly, exactly. The thing is, I don't. Well, I disagree with you there, Shaft, because I don't think Shane McMahon was the best wrestler in the world then. I think he's only come back in his maturity. Well, he was. He was kind of like Hook at that point, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everyone could see the potential there. Yeah. But yeah, just a bit of a personal one. And then I think moving to, to the other side, NXT UK has got a, got a few shouts in there, right? With the Walter Tyler Bate 
and Walter Dragonov and the Walter Dragonov, Pete Dunn, uh, what's his face? The tag match. The tag match, yeah. What was Tisha called then when he was in Sanity and all uh, that stuff? Wolf. Was it Wolf? Wolf? That was it, Wolf, wasn't it? Yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, they're, they're definitely worthy of a shout. There's, um, I think, a couple of the progress ones that you guys didn't mention in Zach versus Walter and Thatcher versus Walter, both yeah. pretty special. Will versus Zach in Rev Pro yeah. was, was, was pretty outrageous. Is there anything else? Um, oh, uh, I mean, for the talking about Tyler versus Walter, I think um, Tyler versus Walter at Wembley, I think it's an underrated match. I think that was just epic and, and lovely. And, and again, jumping back to a personal one, even though it was on a show that had Jerry Lynn versus El Generico, a shout out to the return of 1PW as well this week if it actually runs and isn't a, a con. <laughs> the, I remember seeing, and again, a match probably, when, if I think cause they're going to start releasing them all online. I'll probably watch it back and it'll be shit. But I remember absolutely adoring uh, a crazy street fight between Project Ego versus Kevin Thorne, i.e. the former Mordecai, and uh, Geordie wrestling legend, the Drag- Dragon Isu. So, yeah, that was, a, that was another personal yeah. one. Shout out 1PW, because he actually reminded me of an amazing match that I saw with one, or I thought was amazing at the time, in 1PW. 2005 Unbreakable, uh, the TNA pay-per-view, they had uh, Joe, Daniels, and Styles have that five-star triple threat. And about three, four months later, 1PW put on that match and added Charlie Haas for a four-way, and it was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So... Yeah, that's a great shout, Brom. Um, well, PW had loads of bangers, actually. That is just that was a mental company. The I think it's actually I've probably got this wrong. I think it's Dragon Isu under his shoot name brother that wrote a book about uh, about like the rise and fall of one PW, which is worth a watch. And um, yeah, friend of the pod and did the reviews for it as well. And, yeah, and do you know one one event that we haven't mentioned is that NXT had a takeover here as well, didn't they? Oh yeah, was was that Finn versus Joe? Joe headlined it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure there was some there's some tag bangers on that. Yeah, um, also on that show there was like a there were a couple of tag matches, but there was one that was like four corner tag match, I think, and it was like American Alpha, and then it was like yeah. uh, Enzo and Cass. and I think the the revival definitely wrestled. I can't remember if it was in that match or a different match, like. Yeah, it was in that match because it was when they were new because everyone was chanting, are you Dawson, are you Dash? Yeah. Also, wasn't there a tag match where Mustache Mountain beat Undisputed Era? Yeah, that was at, uh, that was at um, the Royal Albert Hall. We went to that too, didn't we? And that was a, yeah. that was a great yeah, match That, that well, was amazing. That yeah. was amazing. That opened that show as well. Mm. Oh, mate. How much good wrestling? We've been, we are actually spoiled. Like, it's actually, yeah, we're spoiled. There's, there's so much good wrestling out there that you shouldn't waste time complaining about bad wrestling or stuff that you don't enjoy. Just skip it and watch something that you do enjoy. And don't get me wrong, when we do review shows, sometimes we do come across parlors of turd and we don't ignore them, you know. But generally, as an outlook on life, I think, discard the bad. Just worry about all the great stuff out there. Title for this show, please. Wrestling should be fun as an outlook. Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> We got one more roundtable to bring us home here, boys. Chef, I'm sure you've got something about WWE in the UK as well. 
So, as we know, yesterday they announced that they're bringing this this premium live event to Cardiff. They put up a pre-sale link, and fifty nine thousand people joined it before they closed it in like the first twelve hours. So it's going to be absolutely mental trying to get tickets. I mean, I booked hotels yesterday that have tripled in price since then. So yeah, well, the, well the, done on that shaft, actually. Like, I've been to Cardiff a bunch for different sporting events, and fucking hotel costs escalate. Yeah, you should honestly, stuff that was like 160 quid a night is now 500. It's gone crazy in, it went crazy in about 12 hours. So there's a huge demand. Um, so there shouldn't be any issue with filling stadium because people are going to travel from all over, all over Europe, I would imagine. But my question to you guys was just, what would you book on this show that would be satisfying, would attract people to come, but is not unrealistic with you know, the roster that they've got. So we're not going to book Stone Cold versus a rock on top. And ideally not uh, repeating any matches that were at Mania or at a Mania to try and keep it, you know, relatively realistic. Uh, so I'd main event it with, and I know you don't have a lot of time to build to this, Roman Reigns versus Tyler Bate with Roman going over, but Tyler getting all his shit in and looking at God. Basically uh, the Roman equivalent of the, of the Tyler Walter match that we've seen twice. Wow, that's a that's a hot take. And you think that Tyler Bate will be the the marquee name? I just think it's a way, right? You've got an absolutely gargantuan crowd having the, a homeboy that's going to get a massive rub. That's young. That's still got a huge future with the company. And even though everyone knows he's going to get beat, getting beat in style and having the cra- having it the, the most hugely hot atmosphere against Roman would be is what you want. Cool. He'd have to get to TV pretty sharpish, I'd say. But the thing is, you can actually, the way that you move, you can move pretty quickly, I guess. And the fact is, people are going to buy the tickets anyway, so you don't need to have a draw holding the tickets. You can do it, but I'd, I'd agree. You want to start moving sooner rather than later. But actually, the problem is, if you get him on now, you know, he'll have lost 400 times by the time September gets around. Hold it off for as long as you can. So Vince and, you know, is is all his weird mates, like Dunn and Pritchard, don't get bored and let him get beat. Did you think of any others, Bram? No, but I can now. Right, what about this? You've got a tournament. <laughs> Adam Sandler has like a time machine. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is quickly becoming a book of bingo. Yeah. yeah. I think... Blue Pants versus Fabian Eichner, who wears, we're Italians, we wear the blue pants, is what I'm doing with. That will draw all the uh, European fans. Well, this is European. I'm going to have the European Cup, and before the event, there's loads of qualifiers. You get Seamus fights, Balor, one of them can go over. Seamus can win that. You have, like, Drew fights, uh, Noam Dar, and there's all matches like that. Also, to, to get the Welsh fans in, you get Mason Ryan versus Rob Terry. <laughs> Wait, I should have probably gotten Andrews and Flash, I? but now I'm sticking with it. Mason Ryan and Rob Terry. And then you end up with a, a six-man ladder match for an absolutely massive trophy for the European Cup hanging. And it's Walter, A-Kid, Drew, Seamus, Butch, and... Um, yeah, 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 and Eichner. So, oh, no, and and, and Mason Ryan, because he's going over Rob Terry. So, yeah, and a big clusterfuck crazy ladder match. That's going to be my other one. And we'll have um, 
uh, who, who I'm just trying to think actually who's on the who's there in the women's division. Uh, Ginny versus Charlotte as well. We can have that as well. Oh no, that that is a shout. I don't mind that one. That's good. See, Brom is smart. I know why he's doing this, you know, because Brom hasn't booked a hotel for Cardiff yet, and he's thinking that by booking some of these matches, the pre-sale uh, queue is going to drop dramatically. <laughs> what are you <laughs> saying? Mason Ryan, the fucking pop when he beats Drew for the European Cup. You're not, not seeing anything like it in the Principality. Team him up with Rob Terry and call them Red Dragons. Um, <laughs> Just get them to, to just completely rip off O'Reilly and Fish. Sorry, mate. JCH has just cancelled his Patreon subscription. <laughs> the main part about this now, Chef, is you've given me anxiety that I haven't booked a hotel. Oh, mate. <sighs> like, surely... You've got to be spending a grand and sleeping under a bridge. Surely, Chef, you, you've got a bit of carpet there somewhere in your hotel. So, well, you know, I've actually booked two because because you, wrong. Because one's, you, one's for my clothes and one's for me. Mate, that's unbelievable from you. So no, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll probably sublet one of them to you. We, yeah, all right, we'll talk, we'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, actually, Phil, make sure that you don't release the pod before uh, Dom gets his hotel room because everyone will be buying it. Yeah. <laughs> People are booking flights from North Bergen as we speak. I've, they've already started sending me offers in my DMs. <laughs> that is outstanding. Also, um, I think I think my my final one because there needs to be some sort of celebrity match, mate. Don't if you steal another one of my matches, I swear. It's got to be The Miz, hasn't it? Because he does all the celebrity matches. And it's got to be a musician. So I think it's got to be James Dean Bradfield from The Mannix comes out with, like, Tom Jones and Shirley Bassey and Kerry from Stereophonics all, all stood behind him. And then Miz is talking absolute shit. And James Dean Bradfield goes, well, if you tolerate this, your children will be next. And then he comes down and they have a five-minute shit match with a giant hand or something. I don't know. See, I would say that would be strange to book Tom Jones. But as far as the WWE goes, it's not unusual. (laughs) Sorry. I laughed at that joke before you said it, mate. Yeah, cheers. Cheers, mate. Thank you. How did we get get to 50 episodes? (laughs) Um, Chef, I've got a couple of ideas for this show now. I've been thinking about it. I'll go, I'm going to rattle them off quickly. But I also had an idea about like kind of, you know, Europe versus America type of thing with most, most of the matches. I sort of thought, what? well, definitely on top. It's got to be Roman versus Drew, right? Like, yeah, that's, that's what I've gone for. Yeah. Unless the only reason I can see, the only match that I can think of that I actually think might be more interesting for, for Drew than that is Tyson Fury. Yeah. If they could, like, I, mean, I think I said it in one of our, that was one of my predictions last year. So it was literally our first ever episode. I think I said Drew versus Tyson. Fantastic prediction there, Dom. That would get butts in seats. Thank you. I've got Roman versus Drew on top. And I, I just, the, the hardest part of that is going to be keeping them apart for the next six months. Other matches that I thought might be interesting, I was just like, well, what do I want to see? Right now, the thing that's going to get me to a WWE show is Cody. I want to see Cody. And I was like, well, I don't really care who he wrestles. But I was like, uh, what about uh, Bala? Give me Cody versus Bala. I'd really like that. And I reckon they could build it. The other one that would be great would be Cody versus KO. But I see they've already done that as a dark match on Raw. So I reckon that's coming quicker. I've also got sort of an idea of a celebrity. Mate, I really, I say this with no irony. I'm not being sarcastic. I am all in on Pat McAfee. 
after Mania, like that guy, he must be in the top three over people in the company right now. I, the reaction he got, like, and I will be there. If, if I get a chance to do Seven Nation Army in a stadium with 60,000 wrestling fans, I will take my shirt off. I will go mental for Seven Nation Army. So I, I really want McAfee versus someone. I don't know. Could it be another? Could it be American football versus rugby? Could we have Alan Wynn Jones? Um, could we have Gareth Bale if he could have a day off the golf course? Or more likely, it'll probably be like you know McAfee beats Walter, but then Jim Smallman beats McAfee, um, something like that. Tag match. I just thought let's get all the all of our Brit rest boys. I I know that Mark Andrews and Eddie Dennis are meant to be enemies, but let's have them team up for Wales. What about Pete Dunn and Seamus from SmackDown? What about Mustache Mountain from England? And that was most of my ideas. And then I was like, oh, what matches from WWE haven't I seen before? And I was like, I don't know. What about Riddle versus KO or something? Riddle versus Lashley? Riddle versus Lesnar? If we could get that, that'd be wonderful. Bro. WWE likes nostalgia, so I want to see Paul and Katie Lee Birchall back. Yeah, I'll allow it. I'm Maybe not- Layla? I completely pulled out of an inappropriate joke. There's enough everything today. Shaf, can you please uh, can you please save this shit show of my card, please? What have you got? So, like you, I went with Roman and Drew on top. Amazing. <laughs> so, Drew, during the pandemic era, he completely carried the company and missed out on his WrestleMania moment as obviously fans weren't there for WrestleMania 36. He thought he was going to get his moment at WrestleMania 37 when he faced Lashley and he tapped out clean. This year... He was just doing some absolute shite, let's be honest, at WrestleMania. Complete waste of time. So Roman versus Drew. Drew's obviously the biggest British star that we've got. Um, They faced off, I want to say, Survivor Series, was it? And Roman uh, choked him out a couple of years ago. Does that ring a bell? Yep. So Roman versus Drew. Roman's obviously had the belt for, I don't know, maybe a year and a half by that point. I'm not sure what he's up to at the moment. And a lot of the way that Roman has kept the belt is with outside interference. So I was going to book uh, Tyson Fury as the uh, outside enforcer in that sort of Mike Tyson role from HBK Stone Cold at WrestleMania 14. Or I believe Muhammad Ali did the same uh, role at WrestleMania 1, I want to say. Yep. Um, so yeah, have Tyson uh, stop anyone from interfering. Drew finally gets a, you know, a clean go at it. And I would love to see him win the title because it would be. Can you even imagine? Like the stadium would just combust. It would be incredible to see him finally get his moment on British soil. Yeah. And ending that massive reign of uh, Roman Reigns. No pun intended. And it doesn't really have to matter in the grand scheme of things. If he drops the belt back, you know, in Saudi three weeks later, it's fine, you know, and Roman can continue on with. He, whatever plans they've got for him at Mania next year, but we still always have that moment as British fans. They could obviously go the other way with it and do like, I think it was One Night Only, which was, I think it was in Manchester, where Bulldog dropped the European title to HBK and the pay-per-view ended on a massive downer. They could go that way. I'm, I would really rather they didn't. But yeah, see Drew pick up the title against Roman. But I think even just as an as an advertised marquee match, Roman versus Drew with Tyson Fury as the enforcer, that's you know got mainstream appeal for a multitude of reasons. Obviously, world boxing champion enforcing the rules for the WWE Unified Title match makes sense to me. 
and then the next one I wanted was Becky versus Ronda, one on one. It's a match that we still haven't gotten. We thought we were going to get a Mania a few years ago now, uh, but obviously Charlotte was inserted into that. She was the first person to beat Ronda, to pin Ronda, I should say. There was some controversy over whether Ronda's shoulder was down. I think it's we're talking about WrestleMania 35, aren't we? Yeah. I think it was 35 where they main evented. And they've never had that rematch since Ronda's come back. Didn't really see the point in Ronda versus Charlotte at Mania this year. Didn't massively enjoy it either. But um, I still thought Becky versus Ronda was a match to make. So I think that would be a draw as well if we could get that on this show. Doesn't even really matter who wins. And then finally, less sort of name value, but I'd love to see just Mustache Mountain go out there in a stadium show and just have the best match they could with a team like the Usos. And if they had a, a bit of a bruising banger, then, you know, it would help sort of explain the Usos' uh, hesitation in getting involved in the main event. Obviously, they could still show up and get scared off by Tyson Fury. But, uh, yeah, it would give more reasons for them not to become involved. Yeah. So Roman versus Drew with Tyson Fury as the enforcer, Becky versus Ronda for the first time, and Mustache Mountain versus the Usos to give that British flavour and hopefully a banger of a tag match. I've just had another quick thought, lads. What about, I mean, it's fantasy booking because she's I guess she's retired, but if she could do something where she's a bit protected, maybe in a squash and she didn't have to do too much, but wouldn't it be nice for Paige to have a nice moment to go out on? Definitely. Yeah, and I'm sure she could do you know, some sort of squash match. Even yeah. um, like Taz's squash match at One Night Stand where he literally just did a Taz mission, didn't he, on Lorna? So yeah, that would be nice, even just for her to get an entrance. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And can I remind everybody, friend of the podcast page, that one time I made a say, wrestling should be fun on the Instagram. Fantastic. She loves it. Is, Abs- isn't that a perfect way to wrap up the 50th episode, Don? I think so. That's probably my highlight of the in the history of the group. Thousands of wrestling shows, but that time that I bumped into Paige randomly. <laughs> At a WWE event. Hey, uh, lads, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Matt Brum Brummett. Thank you to the Salt and Shafi boys. It's always an absolute pleasure. Don't forget, you know, Instagram. Twitter, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud. Go and get amongst it. The website is wrestlingshouldbefun.com. If you're interested in listening to my cricket podcast, search The Pool and Pod on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud. Uh, until next week, drink lots of water, look after you, mates. And speaking of mates, maybe we should just give a quick shout out to the other guys who, without which, we would not be here at episode 50. Ross the Boss Casey, Matt Connolly, Roe. Harris, JCH. JCH, of course. Yeah, here's to another 50. Well done, Chef. Thanks, lads. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun.